Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Hello. Hello. How are we doing today on this lovely Saturday morning? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. You know what I was just thinking? I think uh, college us would be shocked that we're recording a podcast at 9 a.m. on a Saturday. Oh, my God. During football season, <laughs> especially. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fact that we are like not hungover pieces of shit, which is like fine if you are hungover piece of shit today. But that was us every day for a very, very long time. Literally for <laughs> four straight years, every Saturday. I, I actually don't think there was one Saturday that we weren't hungover. Maybe in our mm-hmm. stoner era, there was one. No, I don't even think that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that. I know last night I went to, um, well, I guess I'll just say this is my treat of the week, but it's a part oh, yeah. of the story that I wanted to tell you. So last night I went to uh, one of my dance class that I went, mm. it was a Friday night, 830 class. They moved the schedule around. So now it's Tuesdays and Fridays. And I'm like, honestly, this is so good because after my birthday, I want to take like a break from drinking for I don't know, at least a month, but maybe longer. And this is such a, such a fun activity on a Friday night to do that I won't feel left out, that I'm not going out. Like my roommates went out to have a drink last night, like nothing crazy. And after dance, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go and join them. That kind of sounds fun. But then I was like, you know what? I'm getting home at 1030. I need a shower and get ready. Like there's really no point to go have a drink at 11 p.m. Like I have to record my podcast tomorrow, so I'm just going to go to sleep. So I'm excited for for more Friday night dance classes because then I won't feel like bored. Yay. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. I know, right? Yeah. In the beginning of me not drinking, I went to Barry's every Friday because it like kicked that like craving. Mm -hmm. It was like something to do, but like not go out. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Um, Cute. My treat of the week is, well, Danny and Hunter were just in town and we went to this I don't know like what you would call it, but basically they have like a little grill in front of you and you like grill your own meat. Korean barbecue? (laughs) No, because it was Japanese and it was like Mm. different. It was like a little, I don't know. It was like a grill on top of like an open flame, like literally. It was Mm -hmm. so cute. Um, And they had like Wagyu nigiri and like all of these things and it was so freaking good. We... Mm -hmm. Ended up, like, spending way more than we were expecting, but having, like, such a good meal. It's one of probably one of my new favorite restaurants in Seattle. Like, Kai and I were like, we're going to come here all the time because it was so cute and fun. And, like, I don't know. It was just – it was incredible. So that was my treat of the week. If you're in the Seattle area, it's called Ishoni. So <laughs> you should fun. go check it out. It's great. I love restaurants. Like, have you ever been to the Mongolian hot pot where you, like, buy the broth and the meats yeah. and you put it in? And honestly, I love a restaurant where you cook the food yourself. And I think you always think it's going to be cheap because you're, like, doing most of the work. Yeah. But it's way more expensive somehow because they charge more for just a little bit of meat and you need to, like, buy a lot. Yeah. But I agree. I have so much fun going to restaurants like that. No, it was so cute. Next time you come to Seattle, we should go because it was, like – phenomenal and i agree there's Mm -hmm. actually a bunch of hot pot restaurants up here there's like a ton of those so Mm -hmm. we can we can do that tour next time you're up here um what about your resource of the week did you have a good resource you listened to this week yes so this week my resource is um 
I forget, it's the founder of Symbiotica. I forget his last name. His name is Shervin. He was on the City Confidential. And I just felt like it was a really like lighthearted, but also informational episode about wellness. But it kind of like threw some tips in there, but they were like joking a lot too and like not taking themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was sometimes I, I love learning and listening to podcasts all the time. But sometimes with a podcast like Andrew Huberman or when they have like really sciencey people on, sometimes it can feel like boring and like like I having to like I don't know just a little bit bored listening to it even though because it's like four hours long and you're like I have to take notes to understand all this information <laughs> and so I like a lighthearted wellness episode too so I really like that so it was a skinny confidential Shervine I forget his last name but it was their Monday and Thursday episode Ooh, that's exciting I will definitely mm-hmm. look it up um I agree on the Huberman point like I freaking love his stuff so much but I'm like this is like a lecture, like a class lecture, which it's yeah. really interesting. It's like so – like a, I wish I had a class this cool in college, mm-hmm. but I have to be like in – like if I'm like trying to listen to something more mindless on my way home from work, like when my brain is just mm-hmm. dead, I'm like, oh, I'm not in the space to listen to Huberman. Well, also I struggle like in the morning on the way to work. I'm so tired that I can't listen to a podcast that doesn't really like – make me feel energized or like more awake because I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep on the way to work right now. Yeah. So, so that's my problem with him sometimes in the morning, but, but yeah, I agree. What was your resource of the week? Mine was the, oh, it was, we can do hard things. And I don't know mm. if it was like a few episodes ago at least, uh, but it was their episode on boundaries And it was so interesting. They literally had so many different quotes from there that I, like, wrote down. I was driving, and I would literally be like, Siri, make a new note. And, like, (laughs) write down the quote because they were so good. It was one of my favorite episodes of theirs, and that's saying a lot because I highly enjoy all of their episodes. But I do feel like everyone sucks at maintaining their boundaries, and people don't understand, like, how much that actually Mm -hmm. impacts you in your, like, day-to-day wellness. So definitely go check that out. It's also just, like... I'm obsessed with Abby and Glennon and like the dynamic between the three of them is so cute and so pleasant and it's so real and honest and relatable every single time. Like it feels like I'm like sitting down to coffee with them and I'm obsessed with Abby Wambach. I always have been because of soccer, like women's soccer. And it feels like I'm like sitting down and having fucking coffee with her. Like I literally am almost in tears every time I listen because I'm like, this is so cool. (laughs) Like like me and Abby just hanging out, but like... (laughs) We're not, but it's still really cool. I definitely recommend. No, I've I, I've kind of been off listening to their podcast lately, but I should get back on it because I agree. Every time I listen to their podcast, I'm like, you guys are so honest and they frame things about the world, like feelings that I have, they put it into words in like a beautiful way, but it's also like just makes you feel better that you're not alone in that feeling. Like mm-hmm. sometimes when you have like really dark feelings or sad thoughts about something, like knowing that someone else feels that same way and they're still like a high achiever and like happy a good chunk of the time, but they struggle with these things too is like very, very comforting. Yeah. And yeah, they have a fun dynamic, the three of them. Like they also talk about serious things, but they can put a lighthearted spin on them mm-hmm. and they're not, they like make fun of themselves also. And they're like not too, too serious all the time yeah yeah it feels it's always like i always leave that conversation feeling better than like i went into it and i think on our last episode if you haven't listened to therapy ep- or i guess that was two episodes ago listen to the therapy episode 
But for free resources that are similar to therapy, I definitely recommend their episode because it literally feels like a therapy session every single episode I've been in or I've like listened to. So another good resource. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, it's kind of like that's like the perfect segue into our into our topic for today. Yay. So I wanted to do a little episode of like a toolkit for when you feel yourself like entering a funk or like a depression kind of starting to come on and maybe it's not full-blown depression but like a little haziness like what you can do to be proactive about your mental health and um it's funny I texted this to Jordan a few weeks ago because I was kind of in a funk for like six weeks but now I'm like exiting my funk (laughs) this week and I'm like so energized and so fun and want to be social and I'm kind of like I'm not really in a funk anymore, but maybe it's because my toolkit is so good that I brought myself out of it. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully my toolkit and Jordan's toolkit, because this is something that we've struggled with, Jordan more so than me, but we've dealt with this for a while. So hopefully, I think every time a depression funk comes on, I like am better at fighting it off. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can help someone if, if someone else is feeling that same way. I think I wanted to start with us doing like a little short context on like, our experiences with depression or funky feelings Mm -hmm. and then we'll go into like the toolkit so to start for me i have always been more so like an anxious person i've (laughs) depression is not something that i have experienced a couple of times but it's not like when things start to go wrong in my life that's not what spikes up in me first what spikes up in me first is definitely anxiety and i think the depression is more so like it comes to me more like circumstantially. It's not like my brain just defaults to that. So the first time I really felt any sort of depression was when we were studying abroad, actually. And I just like didn't really connect with people there. I didn't really make friends. I picked a country where none of my friends were. So I was literally like going through depression for the first time in a different country with no friends and doing long distance with my boyfriend. So I was like waking up crying every day and like considering going home and towards the end I like overcame and figured out how to work through those feelings but that was my first time and then the second time was after graduating college and starting my first shitty job which we just did a whole episode on how shitty first jobs can be so like graduating moving where I had no friends long distance again and working this job that was like miserable that was a lot harder than the study abroad depression because study abroad, I was like, I'm going to go home and this will be over. But we're, like when I graduated and I was working, I was like, this, there is no end. Like life just sucks now. And like, this is what life is now. So that was a lot harder to bring myself out of than the first one. And then like I said, I thought I was kind of going into a minor one, but now I'm kind of just thinking that my hormones are really fucked up from my for my period cycle and that it's something to do with that. So, cause I feel good, but we'll still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, um, with your recent one, it, I don't know, it maybe is related to burnout, which I'll talk a little bit about in my experience. I think like long term, like I've b- been diagnosed with clinical depression since I was young and like been on and off antidepressants. And it was really bad in college when I was drinking a lot Um, and it was also really bad related to birth control that I was taking in the first few years of college. So, um, that was kind of like the long-term like clinical depression. But for this episode, I think I'm going to focus more on like my small kind of bouts of depression, which for me 
because I'm on antidepressants and my clinical depression is somewhat managed, um, it's more of the like bouts of burnout that bring me down into that depressive funk. And also as I've studied more about my ADHD, which I didn't use to pay as much attention to, I paid more attention to my depression. Um, I think it has a lot to do with specifically dopamine burnout and like my dopamine storage and just kind of the uh, inability to have any motivation to do anything or like get out of bed and just kind of function normally. That kind of is obviously symptoms of depression, but it also could be symptoms of a lot of other things. So I think like with your one recently, it could have been somewhat just a result of burnout. And I think that those things happen, like even for me, who has somewhat of like a stable grasp on my depression through antidepressants and like clinical interventions, those like bouts come about. So I'm sure your tips are also related to a lot of this, but a lot of my tips today have to do with like how to kind of restore your dopamine habits and like get out, break out of that like burnout, like, oh, I have no motivation to do anything phase and get back into like, okay, I can function as a human and then go from there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the biggest tips is like stillness, quietness, Mm -hmm. like to restore dopamine. And that's why like, we can just get into tips, I guess. Yeah. Um, this wasn't going to be my first tip, but I think that a lot, we talk about therapy, which therapy is a really important thing if you have access to that, if you're able to get therapy. But some people think that, oh, if they can't find therapy, then they can't be healed or they can't work through trauma, which I don't think that's, I think that's a cop out. Like there are plenty of ways to work through trauma on your own and like at home that you can do without, without clinical support. It's obviously, you know, easier with clinical support, but I think one of the biggest tools for me outside of therapy is meditation and really like just taking time for stillness. And if you are committed to a practice of meditation, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, it will like change your life. It can do wonders. I've been leaning more heavily into meditation this year since I haven't been in therapy. I've kind of been using that as like my backup. And if you listen to people like Joe Dispenza is really helpful, like his meditations and his thousands and millions of like success stories and trials about like the wonders that meditations like that can do for healing. um, I think those can be so powerful and just change your entire outlook on life as a whole. Mm hmm. Yeah. And one of the things um, semi-related to that, which helps work through trauma a lot is journaling. And like Mm -hmm. both of the reasons that those things work is because you are able to become an observer of your thoughts and not necessarily be identified by your thoughts. I know we've talked about this before, but it's like so important. And I was actually just listening to a book and it was talking about like recovering from like sexual assault or trauma related to that. And one of the biggest tips that they've found is like, if you can be mindful and start to grasp your thoughts and be aware of like what's triggering you and what what that does to you, and then kind of like let thoughts that are tr- that normally would trigger you float through your brain, like recognize like, okay, that's a triggering thought, but it doesn't define me. I'm not in that moment anymore. Like I'm here, I'm safe and move on. Like that is how people overcome kind of these traumatic situations without professional and that's what you work in that's literally what you work on like in my therapy Mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on right now (laughs) so um I think both meditation and journaling are like great options for me personally I 
I try really hard to meditate. I cannot get to a point of like extended meditation. My brain just does not like it is so hard for me. And so I find that journaling is a little bit more helpful for me because I can kind of get into like that flow mindfulness state, but my body is doing something and like I'm focused on a task so that it doesn't just, Mm -hmm. otherwise I feel like I just kind of spiral the whole time trying to Mm -hmm. figure out what focus feels like as someone with ADHD. And then I'm like, this isn't helpful because I'm just like sitting here like spiraling. So (laughs) I found journaling can be helpful. I do meditate for like five minutes at a time, but I can't really get like longer than that, which I do think even that Mm -hmm. small amount of time does help a lot. But for processing your trauma, it's not as helpful. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I also wrote down journaling as a tip. I think journaling can be so helpful, but I think in the same vein that you have a struggle with meditation I have a struggle with journaling (laughs) because I I feel like I would force myself to journal every day to like try to like be the best version of myself and so like having now I'm kind of it feels like I only want to journal when I feel like called to journal Mm -hmm. but then even when I do feel called to journal like my brain, my thoughts go so fast. My hand can't keep up. My hand gets sore and tired. And then I get annoyed that my hand can't write. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, just type it down. But like the whole point it, for me would be to disconnect and not be looking at a screen. And I don't really want to like type everything out on a screen. Mm-hmm. So I don't really feel like I figured out the best process for myself. And I guess I could be like, well, just slow it down and like not force your hand to write so fast, which sounds so stupid that like I hate it because my hand hurts when I'm journaling. But I feel like because I'm I'm getting irritated because my hand hurts and then I'm like, I'll just end it. Like I'm too tired. I'm done yeah. with this. Like then I don't even get all my thoughts out. But when I sit down and I'm slow and patient, like I can have a good journaling session. But again, that's like more, it's like fewer and far between for me. But it's definitely still can be very cathartic to like just cry and journal. One girl, I forget who I, I feel I like want to say it was one of our guests, but I'm also don't remember. And it could have been a podcast I was listening to, <laughs> but they said that they like one of their kind of coping mechanisms was to listen to voice notes or t- like say voice notes. And oh, it was Allison, right? Um, I, it was one of our guests for sure. Yeah, I, I think it was Allison. And she would like go on walks and like rant into her voice notes and then listen wow. to them back. And like mm-hmm. it would be kind of a cathartic way. And then she'd delete it. And it would be like, I don't know. That sounds like it could be really appealing. I feel like sometimes you just want to rant. And also if you're in a relationship and you're constantly trauma dumping on your boyfriend or partner, it might be helpful to trauma dump into your voice notes and then like come home and share the succinct version instead of like beating down your boyfriend with their with your emotions like I do so like yeah I I remember I when you were saying your struggle with journaling I I just remembered that and I've like been wanting to try it because I do think it sounds like it could be a really kind of a problem solved to all of these issues mm-hmm. no that's such a good idea I I know you said that and I was like wow that unlocked that memory that we talked about that because when she said it I was like that is such a good idea mm-hmm. I should do that but I was like mental mm, health is good I don't even need to fucking journal <laughs> like I don't even mm-hmm. I'm too good for that <laughs> but now I'm like oh I could fucking use a journal <laughs> I think also it's really important people kind of brush over this step sometimes but to like recognize 
and like just be okay with the way you're feeling and like take some time to sit in that. I know when we were abroad, you and Bella would talk about your like depression <laughs> naps and you were like, okay, it's time for a depression nap. Like no one's talking for the next two hours. We are laying in bed in our cave. And like, that's good too. Like some people are so quick to like, you want to feel better, obviously, but that's like sometimes the only answer is through. Like you can't just skip over it and shoving it down, I think will end up making it worse. And I think it's like all the Buddhists that talk about like resistance is suffering. Like when you try to fight things, like that's when you're going to struggle. And so if you just like accept and let the sadness and the wave like move through you, you'll probably feel a lot better after. Yeah. Yes. To the depression naps. That was like my favorite (laughs) part of abroad. Not really, but like it was so necessary. And looking back, I think part of it was that we were like on a dopamine burnout because we were just doing so much all the time and like constantly overstimulated with like new places and new things and new friends and all of this stuff um, that I think we were literally just like burnt out. And so we would sit in our room in the darkness with the blinds closed for like two hours almost every single day and didn't Mm -hmm. speak to each other and like everyone was like whoa and like wouldn't come into our room (laughs) because we were like so clearly anti everyone but it was so necessary and it like it like gave us the stamina we needed to like get through abroad which i loved abroad but it is a (laughs) an endurance situation (laughs) for sure um and kind of on that same vein i think like one of the things that i've found is that it can almost feel triggering to me if I start to go into a depression and start to like let go of daily tasks. It takes me back to when I was like in a very dark place and literally couldn't function. But I've been working really hard to give myself like one day of rest does not mean I'm at rock bottom again. Um, So that's kind of been my own personal role. And I think you can start taking, paying attention to like what your personal needs and expectations are. But For me, it's, like, one day of, like, being a full slug is allowed. And, like, I can do literally nothing, like, get up, brush my teeth, sit back in bed and do zero things for the rest of the day. Um, But then I have to start adding back in my non-negotiables the next day. And so, like, some of those things – I mean, this is, like, crazy to say now that I'm, like, much more high-functioning. But, like, when I was in my low-functioning depression – I couldn't do anything. Like, I couldn't get out of bed. So, like, some of those things are, like, okay, I'm going to make myself wash my face and do my skincare routine. And, like, I'm going to make myself shower and put on different clothes than the ones that I slept in. Like, they can be comfy clothes, but they have to be, like, something new. Um, Move my body. And that could be stretching on the floor of my bedroom. But, like, it has to be something out of my bed. Get out of my bed and change scenery. Like, that's a big one. So, I think understanding kind of what's your, like, bare minimum where you can still feel those depressed feelings and like respect that you're not going to be at your highest performing self, but also not allow yourself to spiral like deeper, which for me was a major concern. Um, so yeah, I think like figuring out where your limits are on these things of like, okay, what, what amount is rest? And then what amount is going to make me feel worse? And then mm-hmm. going from there. Yeah, I 100% agree on like the one day principle. I yeah, feel like you can you can like say fuck it to everything you need to do for one day, but mm-hmm. two like two turns into a week. Like I just feel like it tur- it gets it escalates really quickly, especially with mental health problems. And more than even if like you're in a good mental health place, like two days of doing absolutely nothing, like then you start to get 
then you start to feel weird. Like that's not how we're supposed to function. So I think I agree with the one day principle, but obviously everyone is different. So maybe yours is a two day principle. Maybe that's what Mm -hmm. you feel is best, but yes, on the one day principle. And then yes, on the movement, I literally wrote down, even if it's just stretching on the floor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Even if you are watching your like favorite mindless depression show and Mm -hmm. stretching, like that's literally all like that is so helpful i remember when covid first hit and i was very very anxious when covid first hit like as a hypochondriac and it was just like my worst nightmare and um i'm anxious of medication i so i've always been avoidant of taking medication but i felt like i needed it at that point so i saw a psychiatrist and i was telling him my you know experience and this psychiatrist was someone who leaned into more like holistic whole health approach and wasn't like understood that I didn't really want to be medicated. So he was giving me all of the information on both sides. And he said that um, movement is like one of the best things that you could do because think about it. Like if you're going for a run, it's really hard to have an anxiety attack while you're running, (laughs) unless you're running from something actually like it's Mm -hmm. very hard to be anxious when you are pushing your body like that. So even if it's just a walk around the neighborhood or a stretch, a 10 minute walk, like really just anything, obviously take a rest day. But like, I try to get some movement every day, even if it's just a stretch on the floor in the bedroom. And I just, um, just saw this TikTok and I wish I like, feel like I saved it for this episode, but I'm not going to go and try and find it because I should have taken notes on it. But I just saw this TikTok and it was talking about how she gets out of dopamine burnout like um mm. basically like her when she's at a point where she's like unable to be motivated and i think she's specifically referencing ADHD but i do think it's interesting that like with ADHD depression anxiety like moving your body is just going to make you feel better but she definitely says like go for a walk um also one of the things that like uh i think it was in atomic habits they talk about how the f- hardest part of doing anything is like the first 2 minutes And usually if you're, like, in an unmotivated state of being, you can motivate yourself to do, like, two minutes of something. And then if Mm -hmm. you're, like, already in yoga pants and walking around outside, you're probably going to do more than two minutes of it. But if you can't and you're, Mm -hmm. like, no, I really can't do more than two minutes of walking, like, that's fine. Go back inside. You, like, gave it your best. But I think it is interesting because there is – like every mental and any reason that you may feel sluggish movement is going to be like the one thing that helps you, which is so hard because it's like the one thing you really don't want to do at all. (laughs) That's something that we've talked about in the past too, like challenging yourself and like pushing through the things that you don't want to do. Like maybe that's a sign that you need to do it even more if you're like Mm -hmm. having a lot of resistance towards something. And so the hardest things to be the most rewarding, that 10 minute walk, that two minute walk could could change your next day, could change the way you sleep, could change everything. So, um, yeah, I think movement, I think everyone talks about movement. It's not like it's a, it's not talked about enough, but I think it's, it should be emphasized even harder than it is sometimes. Mm -hmm. There was this, another TikTok that I saw from this girl who she's so cute. And she talked about how she's like, when I'm asking, or she's like, the reason you aren't doing things because you're asking yourself the wrong question. Like, you're asking, do I want to do this? And, like, that's not the question because, yeah, of course you don't want to do it. And she was like, does the person that I want to be do this thing? 
and like reframing that in your brain and circling back to ADHD again, like one of the ways that you can kind of trick your brain with ADHD is by like playing pretend because Mm -hmm. play is like a great way to stay focused. And so I think that all of those things tie in of like, if you are like, I don't want to do this, be like, well, it's not up to me. Like, that's not the question at hand. It's like, is the person that I want to be doing this thing? And like, yes, they probably Mm -hmm. are. Um, so I think that's a really good reframe when you're in these phases where you're like, no, I, every fiber of my being is saying, no, I don't want to do this. Like think through other ways you can like motivate yourself of like, that's not the question that's asked. It's not about whether you want to do it or not. It's about, is it going to make you feel better? All of these other things. And those are all yes answers. I know that's what Joe Dispenza talks about too. Like he, I was going to tell you this, he does a lot of walking meditations too and Ooh. like talks you through how to do a walking meditation, which that's might be I'll helpful for someone like you who like struggles sitting in their thoughts and mm-hmm. their ADHD. Um, and so in the walking meditations, he'll walk you through like, you need to like become the person that like embody the person that you want to be like how does the person you want to be walk Mm -hmm. like do they walk differently how do they think like what are they thinking about what are they what are they noticing on their walk like everything you need to start acting like that person today like otherwise you're never going to be that person yeah and um so yeah i 100 percent agree that you because that's something that i struggle with intuitive eating like i just eat my body wants to eat and like my body like my body craves bad things like a lot. And I don't think that's because it truly wants those things. I think it's because the processed things are so good at masking themselves that like your body continues to crave them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I don't know how to do this intuitive thing because even this intuitive movement thing, I don't want to do it half the time, but like I force myself to. Yeah. So I really struggle with that. We probably have someone on who can like talk us through that because yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I well, I just saw this one and it was I think it was a Victoria Garrick video and she was talking about I think she was at her bridal shower talking through like intuitive eating when there's all of these things she obviously wants to eat cuz it's like snackies and yummies and she was like there's more I ask myself again than like do I want to eat. It's like what is the thing that I want this item of food to give me? So is that like health or like satiety <laughs> what is it what's the word satiation yeah it? and then it's like the other version of it but yes satiety yes satiety um <laughs> like that or do i want do i want it to get like do, do i want a treat and so i think again the key is just like you're asking yourself the wrong question of like do i want yes or no it's like why do i want how much do i want you know mm-hmm. what is the outcome that i want um And I think those are the questions you have to start asking yourself. But I would love to have someone on for intuitive eating or intuitive movement because I want to learn more. Because it sounds very enticing. But again, I'm I'm like, I have zero (laughs) impulse control. So (laughs) So I don't know how to do that. Little treat lifestyle Mm -hmm. and intuitive eating. I don't know if they go hand in hand. (laughs) I know. And that is like, I also wrote down sugar and alcohol because (laughs) these, (laughs) which are very hard things to cut back on, but those sugar and alcohol like impact your hormonal health and your mental health so so much and i think people overlook sugar a lot like everyone talks about oh alcohol is a depressant but like people don't talk about how sugar can really fuck you up in that same way and how sugar is very addictive and so i said that sugar and alcohol are some of the main things i try to cut back on when i'm on like entering a funk because those can keep you in that funk 
for so long. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do when you're someone like me who likes a little treat. And like, if you are going through a funk, you're like, oh, I'll buy myself a coffee and it'll be okay. But that coffee has 40 grams of sugar and like fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. So for the last two weeks, I've, I haven't like not had any sugar or like any treat from Starbucks, but I've definitely, you know, really cut back on them. And it's not like, I'm not doing it first thing when I wake up, like grabbing a sugary drink from Starbucks. I'll like wait a couple hours in the day. And then I've taken like, I don't know, I haven't drank in like two weeks probably. So I'm just like, eh. even though it sounds good, I'm like, an alcohol, a drink sounds fucking good right now. Like I could, I'm in a social mood, but I'm still trying to like be mindful because mm-hmm. I'm feeling good right now. And a drink could set me back like really quickly, especially how if we're in like a fragile, just exiting a yeah. little funk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, agreed on both of those and like i stopping drinking is not going to cure your clinical depression but it will give you a baseline of what's going on and if you are in a little funk like this it will probably get you on the other side of a little funk much quicker than any of these other things will do because i mean i agree i think people talk about alcohol being a depressant all the time but i don't think people understand like how lingering the effects of drinking are throughout the entirety of your week, month, time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're drinking once a week, you're feeling that all week. Um, mm-hmm. So, Well, that I remember when I first started having hormonal problems our senior year of college, I was complaining to my dad about it because my dad's, you know, knows so much about health and fitness. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm literally falling asleep in class. I'm taking three hour naps every day. Like I, I don't have any energy. And he's like, well, are you drinking? And I was like, yeah and he's like you need to take a break and i was like well i took like a week and he's like you need to take at least a month like a Mm -hmm. week is not gonna reset you that way like a drink drinking especially the level we were drinking in college (laughs) lingers for a while we weren't having one drink like i remember we would talk about how embarrassed we were at the doctor because the doctor's like oh how many drinks are you having and the answer for a week was probably like 30 plus for a week right oh my, but like it, it only goes up been. to seven or like the number only goes up to seven so what are we saying seven plus like, and we would say we seven and they would be like that's pro- a problematic drinking and we're like it's way worse than seven <laughs> like, oh god so i think especially you know your phase in life it can be very hard to cut back on sugar and alcohol but those can be like have exponential uh returns when you do Mm -hmm. and um it's not even just sugar and alcohol like i like to think about what am i putting into my body as a whole like yeah am i am i eating more processed foods like am i not eating enough am i overeating like some some foods make like an oatmeal for some people might feel good in the morning but for me that makes me feel really jittery and like having really weird crash afterwards. So mm-hmm. like, I don't like oatmeal in the morning. So am I eating too many carbs in the morning or just like in general, like getting very clear about what I'm putting in my body as a whole, because that's what is creating these neurotransmitters in your brain and like ultimately fueling you and fueling your mental health. So. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, with burnout, the key to burnout is like restoring your dopamine stock basically. Mm -hmm. And any sort of like craving thing you, you give into is giving your body a dopamine spike. So like if you're craving sugar and you drink it, like it's going to give you a dopamine spike. Same with alcohol, same with smoking weed, same with like 
literally anything that your body craves, you're going to get dopamine out of that. So I think it's really important to not use up your dopamine and especially in times like this on something like a drink or like a piece of cake or whatever you're going to eat and like save it um, and eat like whole things that are going to fuel your body and fill you up and like just give you good energy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those, yeah, what you're, what you're ingesting is very important in mood, in mood situations. Yeah. And I also think like rest, we talked about movement, but rest Mm -hmm. is, we did talk about the one day principle, but I think just the quality of sleep you're getting and how much you're sleeping outside of like, you know, when you're resting, when you're awake is different than actual sleeping. And, um, I think, for me, what definitely like helped me go into this little funk was that I wasn't sleeping well enough. Like I was dance, I was dancing late at night and then skating early in the morning and then also doing podcast stuff. So I was on like a screen until, you know, like 10 or 11, which is later than I would like to be looking at screens and definitely impacts your sleep. So I think for the last couple of weeks, when I was having days like, oh, I'm waking up at five and skating for two hours, going to work all day, and then going to dance at 8.30 to 10 and getting home at 11, like that is too long of a day. And my body was probably just like putting me into a little depression because it's like, dude, you can't have this energy anymore. Like you got to fucking take a nap. Like you yeah, got to Like rest. Yeah. Yeah. And so this week I've been feeling a lot better energy wise, but this, the dance schedule changed. So like I didn't ever have a day where I woke up at five and then skated and then also danced at eight thirty at night. Like yeah. I I was I had danced at eight thirty to ten, but then I got home at ten thirty and I went to bed right after. Like mm-hmm. and I didn't have to wake up at five the next day. So I think my body's feeling better because I'm resting better. And so um making sure you're getting try to get eight hours a night. Like they always talk about eight hours and I know people if you're like grinding and you're a server or a bartender or working a night shift like it can be really hard to do that but like good quality sleep is very that's how your body heals and like gives you everything you need so yeah yeah I think um that is super important and like also I used to smoke weed every night before bed and like it was actually I used to have insomnia and it helped with that a lot and Mm -hmm. so like there are some people where it does help if you are depressed or you are feel like you're not getting enough quality sleep, like smoking weed before bed fucks with your REM cycles and like you aren't getting quality sleep. And so I think like that's a big thing that a lot of people kind of brush off with weed is that like it's not as bad as alcohol. It's not as bad as nicotine. So like they don't mm-hmm. think through the lingering effects, but like it really does fuck with your sleep. Like you might not feel it tomorrow, but like four nights in a row you'll feel it. So I think that's well, also- important to note. A lot of people who smoke weed every night before bed, like, don't dream. Yeah. Because you're not not going into you're not going into REM. And then people who stop smoking weed will have like really crazy, vivid dreams. Because I feel like your body's like, we haven't done this in so long. Like, we need we need to go into REM. Yeah. And like, that's just my that's I don't even know if that's the real science, but I have heard a lot of my friends who stop smoking weed have very vivid dreams after Mm -hmm. after they stop. Definitely fucks with your sleep more than people, like, talk about. And I think your your sleep is just important. Oh, this is what I was going to say. The other thing, like you mentioned, is, like, screens before bed. I can't explain to you how – now that I have, like, a very routine bedtime, like, I have a very set 
just like schedule like i have to wake up every morning at 6 a.m because that's when moose wakes me up no matter what so like no matter what i'm doing i'm waking up at six so like i'm in bed by 10 every night no matter what because there's nothing else i can do to sleep in um Mm -hmm. and if i'm like on screens until 10 then my sleep and my grogginess the next day is like so apparent like i almost feel slightly hungover from like being on a screen but if i like stop being on screens at nine and like read or clean or whatever that's like not related to screens for an hour before bed i feel so much more energized and less groggy getting out of bed it actually is crazy to me i never realized how impactful it was and i think people like should it just like experiment with it and like see because Mm-hmm. It is like night and day to me at least and like you might try it and be like holy shit yeah this is why I can't get out of bed in the morning cuz I'm like s- wa- scrolling through mm-hmm. TikTok until 11 p.m. until like my eyes physically close <laughs> and like make me go to sleep. I really want to get an aura ring for this exact reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone knows the aura ring. It's kind of it's just like a ring but it's like similar to an Apple Watch and that tracks like steps and workouts and but the main thing that I want it for is cuz it tracks sleep and it tracks how many hours of REM you're getting every night which is something that the Apple Watch can't do and I'm so curious especially like I struggle with my energy levels fluctuate so much that it's very like jarring. Some days I feel like I'm underwater and like have the worst brain fog and can barely function and yeah. do my job and drive to work. But some days like I feel so energized and full of life and like ready to go, don't even need a coffee. Like, so I'm trying to figure out what is really causing that. And I'm going to like get my diet back in check. And then, but I think a big, big thing is sleep. I want to know how many hours of RAM I'm getting. I want to know if I'm looking at my screen past sunset is that too late like where where are the problems for me and trying to find patterns so if you have the ability to buy an aura ring they are kind of expensive i haven't bought one yet but i do want to get one but look into that if you're like trying to get more granular about your sleep because i've heard wonders about them yeah um i think something else that's really helpful too that is probably not talked about enough in mental health is like supplements people always talk about like being medicated like by a doctor, which is also obviously amazing, but supplements can help you so much. Like, especially the way people eat today, like we're just not getting enough nutrients and vitamins in our Mm -hmm. bodies. And, um, I think my favorite supplement company is Thorn. I remember you told me about them with their Deproloft, which has, it's like a whole mixture of things and it has a lot of components that act as SSRIs. So it's a more natural SSRI kind of. Mm -hmm. But if you are taking a prescription medication for depression or anxiety, you should definitely talk to your doctor because you can overload an SSRIs and it can be really bad for your brain actually. So my psychiatrist was like, oh, we can't take Deproloft with St. John's wort. Like that's too much for the brain. So you have Mm -hmm. to pick one. Um, But I think the main like key ones for just like overall well-being would be magnesium vitamin d but the vitamin d has to have a thousand milligrams of epa because epa is like the best for your brain apparently and then um deproloft and probiotics are like my four if i'm going through any sort of weirdness and i don't have those or i'm not taking those i start to take them immediately because Mm -hmm. i feel that i feel them pick me up a lot especially deproloft like definitely look into that yeah agreed i love deproloft um and agreed on all of those especially if you like live somewhere cloudy vitamin d is so mm-hmm. important kind i just got athletic greens so stay Ooh. tuned on how th- i'm hoping that that's gonna help like our brain fog and stuff 
So we're taking note, and I'm actually stopping taking my other vitamins because they made me sick anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I we're, like, just kind of, like, the only thing we're taking right now is athletic greens because we're really interested to see, like, how it alone impacts us. Yeah. So stay tuned. I will keep you all updated. But that's been nice because it's, like, I wake up and I just can sip on my athletic greens as I, like, start my day. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. It. I felt like the first day I took it, I had more energy who knows but i did feel that way um but yeah i think like supplements are super important to look into and again like definitely consult with your doctor especially if you're taking other things but it is very there's a lot of ways that you could support your well-being and there's also things like you can get your blood work done and see like oh you have a deficiency in this and yeah that's really related to mental health so i would also recommend getting like a vitamin mineral Mm -hmm. hormone panel um on your body just to understand like where your baseline is the one last thing oh i don't know if you have more things but one thing i would love to Mm -hmm. kind of briefly touch on is like i feel like we've mentioned it a couple times but go into more depth of like what a dopamine detox is and we Mm -hmm. can go pretty Mm -hmm. quickly over it but i think dopamine detox so if you are struggling with motivation or burnout or anything like that those sort of feelings it is probably related to your dopamine storage. That's why ADHD people have a really hard time doing tasks because they have dysregulated dopamine systems. Um, and you can kind of think of your dopamine as like a, it's like a limited resource. And so you have to let it restock if you're like using it a lot. So a lot of things cause you to kick out dopamine, including like really, really high intensity workouts. Um, like any music that gives you that like woo feeling like you know like when you like get excited listening to music like that is your dopamine systems working um what else like scrolling tiktok anything that's like addicting is definitely releasing dopamine so alcohol any drugs um what else is big dopamine i think those are kind of the big ones Mm -hmm. but even if you're like living a really high productive life if you're like constantly achieving or accomplishing like oh coffee releases dopamine but if you're like waking up listening to really intense music drinking a coffee going for a run getting in your car listening to really loud music getting to work like achieving 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 even like though that's a very productive day you're burning out your dopamine and that is what leads to burnout so one of the things that you can do for this is like do a dopamine detox for extended periods of time or just different times throughout your day so like one of the things i know autumn does and i've started doing is like turning off music in your car and like sitting in silence meditating is a big one um but i will do like full days where i like don't touch my dopamine so i like won't have coffee i'm obviously not drinking i like will try really hard not to have any sugar i'll like do yoga or like a different type of workout instead of like really high intensity workouts i'll try and stay off my phone um And I think that, like, having days like that, I feel so much better the next day and I have more motivation throughout the week. So, like, if you – like I said earlier, like, sometimes I feel these bouts of depression very directly related to my motivation and burnout. And one of the best ways I get that back is by just, like, detoxing from dopamine and letting my dopamine storage, like, build back up. And then I have Mm -hmm. a full pool of dopamine to pull from throughout the week instead of just, like, literally none. I agree with you a thousand percent. I also think that this tip is probably going to be the one that people try the least because it sounds like the most boring Mm -hmm. and like the worst. (laughs) But also it's 
like the best. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think if you could do just one of these, I would probably pick this one because I think if you just take like a few days to really be mindful, like not be on your phone, like not even watch TV, like really not have coffee, like not, not do these things that drain your dopamine. Um, I feel like when I'm more in tune with that, I am at such like a deeper peace and, and like just an overall like contentment Mm -hmm. with myself and just like appreciate who I am and like find out that I actually love hanging out with myself and I like love just doing other things. And like, I can find things to occupy my time and I'm not in a rush. Like I feel like I have more time in the day when I'm, when I'm like dopamine detoxing or like just coming off of one. And I, it doesn't have to be like a full day if that sounds too much. Like even just starting with driving to the grocery store and you think, Driving the grocery store, it's like five minute drive, 10 minute drive. It's harder than you think to not have anything on. Yeah. But it's like more rewarding than you would imagine too. So if you listen to this far in the episode and you just want to do one, I would do this one. Even if you're not, even if you're not in a funk, like this can improve your overall like satisfaction in life and happiness so much. When you lower your dopamine threshold, like, I was telling Jordan this. I've said this in the podcast before. Like little things make me so much happier when I'm yeah. in that kind of face. Like I'll go for a walk and I'm like, like oozing with joy about how beautiful these flowers are and how cute the birds are singing are. Like mm-hmm. everything just feels more like joyful and uh, I feel more grateful. Like it's easier to tune into those emotions. So I could not underscore that one enough. <laughs> also, you can redirect your motivation like very intentionally when you do that. I don't think people recognize that like you scrolling TikTok uses the same resource as like you doing your job at work <laughs> or like cleaning your <laughs> – like getting up to clean your room. And so it's like you are – if you are not burning it out on other things like that, you can like mm-hmm. use it when you actually need it and want it. And that's – that is a huge reason why we're all like, why don't we have any energy to do the things that we like actually need to mm-hmm. do? Because we're wasting all of our motivation, which is like dopamine is motivation, on all these other stupid things that aren't actually doing anything for us. And I think even like Autumn said, if you can do just a slow morning, your entire day will feel way better. It's crazy. Like mm-hmm. wait three hours to have your coffee and like do nothing for the first like hour of your day and you'll feel so much more motivated throughout the day. And that coffee will hit even harder three hours later. If you yeah. just wait, it'll hit even better. Literally. But I think that this is like a tangent now, but I noticed dopamine burnout and the way it was impacting me so much when quitting nicotine. Yes. Because smoking is like a million dopamines at once when you, <laughs> inhale, when you inhale. And so I would find myself like literally sitting on the couch and being like, okay, one more hit and then I'll do the dishes. One more hit and then I'll do this. And I would sit there and say that for like 15 minutes, <laughs> yeah. right, quite honestly. Like I would I would push off so many other things just to hit it more. And now that I'm like not doing that, I am so much more energized because – 
I don't have this thing that's sucking up like half of my dopamine storage. Like, like all of your dopamine I, storage probably. Yeah, it's not even half. <laughs> it's probably I don't I don't know the number, but it's a lot. It's a fuck ton. So I know so many people our age are oh my in God. doing that and hopefully coming out of that. But if you are in that let this be if you make it this even far one more reason yeah. <laughs> if you make it this far then like this needs to be your one thing <laughs> like, just quit smoking nicotine okay just kidding <laughs> fuck the dopamine detox just quit smoking just don't and then come back fucking pick up a jewel it's not cool or cute or anything good <laughs> like no it's really not it's uh, so it's so embarrassing so um, embarrassing and also bully bully your friends who jewel like bully them outwardly make them shamed make them embarrassed to do in front of you like they'll quit eventually hopefully hopefully um but yeah i think that we could do so many episodes on this we could talk forever about even just each one of these tips we could do a full episode um so i think to summarize Mm -hmm. i would say the main things are take time to feel the feelings cry Mm -hmm. Evaluate what you're putting in your body, what you're fueling your body with. Intentional rest, one day principle. <laughs> Intentional <laughs> movement, two minutes is all that matters. Just do two minutes, uh-huh. stretch on the floor. Therapy, if that's an option. Mm-hmm. Listen to our therapy episode if you haven't. Meditation, do a walking meditation if you struggle with ADHD. Supplements and fucking mm-hmm. dopamine detox and quit smoking nicotine (laughs) yes don't fucking smoke nicotine (laughs) if there's one thing so so all of those things added up end up being a lot and it can be a lot to implement all of them but yeah but even if you just pick one it can be so Mm -hmm. it can be life-changing if you dedicate to one yeah and if you can do mini versions of each in a day like those can Mm -hmm. be your non-negotiables like movement food peace meditate like that's like those are things you can do from your bed so Mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. well i love all of these and i agree um on all of it it sucks to mm-hmm. be in a funk but you can get yourself out of it that's the important thing mm-hmm. if you have the right tools in your toolbox you can make anything happen Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo, bye <laughs> <All> right, bye <laughs>